All right. Well, last week I gave you guys some homework. Uh, so far, it's been pretty pathetic how many people have actually done it. So I don't know. I may have to get a little more firm with this. Uh, but uh, you were supposed to make a memory with Jesus. Do you remember that? How many guys actually attempted it, tried it? Hey, hey, you guys, the third service is the winner. Good job. Well done. Um, I made a few with this week. I were actually remember, okay, I'm going to do this with Jesus, make a memory with Jesus. But I want to share one with you that was, uh, it really excited me. It was kind of fun. And uh, I, I came home from work one night. And my father-in-law uh, said, hey, Luke, just to let you know, the electricity, are, the lights are off in the living room, the dining room, and the front porch, and some of the outlets don't work. And he says, so I went downstairs to try to, you know, flip the breaker, but it won't re-engage. And I'm like, that, I got it. I'll go look at it. So I'm thinking, he doesn't know how to run a breaker. Would I go down there? And sure enough, he was right. It would not engage. And so uh, I decide, well, the breaker must be shot, so I go to Home Depot, I get a new breaker, I hook it up, reattach it to the, to the box, and I go to, to re-engage it, and it won't re-engage. So I'm like, great, what does that mean? So I, I call up my, one of my electrician friends, and he says, hey, Luke, what you got to do is you unplug everything out of all the outlets, turn off all the lights, take the entire load, the electrical load off that, that uh, breaker, and then engage it. And if it engages, then one by one, go through the light switches and the outlets and see if something snaps it. But if it doesn't re-engage, then that means you've got to shorten one of your wires, and you're going to have to find that. And so have fun with that. That's, that's a job. <laughs> so I did exactly what he said, and sure enough, it still wouldn't re-engage. So I'm like, oh, brother. I, don't, I mean, there's tons of lights, tons of outlets, and then there's wires in the wall. I don't know where to start with this. And so I'm like... All right, Jesus, I'm going to make a memory with you. Let's do this together. And so I'm like, all right, where do you want me to start? And I, I felt like he said, start with the outside outlets. So I went to the front porch with the outside outlet, and I thought, yeah, you know, that makes sense, because what if rain gets in there, and there's water all over it, and it somehow shorts out the electricity? I'm like, that's brilliant. Thank you, Jesus. So I open the outlet, and I take the cover off, and I reach in there to see if there's any, uh, you know, water in there. Nothing. It's dry as a bone. So I'm like, ugh. Well, that apparently isn't it. So I go to start putting the lid back on, and I felt the Spirit of God just say, look closer, Luke. So, I'm, so I try to look closer, and I'm like, yeah, God, there's no water there. I don't see anything, nothing. So I go to put the lid back on, and he says, Luke, look closer. So I'm unscrew, <laughs> and I yank, yank out the outlet, and sure enough, there's this little black dot on one of the ground wires that happened to be bumping up against the power, and it tripped the breaker, and it was just sitting there, so I could never re-engage the breaker because it just kept shorting out. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. And it was the first one I started at. That usually never happens when I make memories on my own. It's just I always do the last one. That's where it happens. But it was awesome. So guys, make memories with Jesus. I can't wait to talk to Jesus about that. I'm like, hey, Jesus, remember that outlet we changed together? That was awesome. So keep making them. All right, well, we have today and we have next week to wrap up this series on prayer. And I know, like even somebody came up to me after your second service and said, Luke, are you going to talk about this? Unfortunately, I can't. There's, we could go on and on with a series of prayer, but uh, there's just a couple things that I want to unpack on prayer that I personally find very intriguing and I've been trying to ponder through. And so for today, what I want us to focus on is the idea of how to pray as Jesus prayed. Now, when I say that, 
where our minds instantly go to, well, how did Jesus pray? Let's talk about what are the words he used, what was the order of his prayer, you know, and what did it sound like, and, you know, et cetera, all that sort of stuff. And then naturally, one would think is like, well, let's go to the Lord's Prayer, you know, and let's, let's discuss that because, you know, that's the prayer Jesus prayed after his disciples came to them and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he says, well, when you pray, this is how you pray. And you guys can all quote it out loud with me, those of you who grew up with the Lord's Prayer. Let's say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that's really where the Lord's Prayer stops. We've added more because church and traditions have added that, but that's what's in the Scripture, okay? And and so we think, okay, let's go to that prayer and let's unpack it. Um, But I'm not going to do that today. Uh, I want to come at it from a different angle if I could, and I don't want to focus on what type of prayer Jesus prayed or the words that were said. I want to focus primarily on his life and how he lived a life of prayer. And hopefully this will make sense as we start to progress through it. And I want to start with this verse. It's an interesting verse found in John. It says, I have not spoken... Oh, hey, if you need Bibles, raise your hands. Ushers, you can get that. Thanks, Casey. I thought he was handing me a Bible. I'm like, dude, I got it here. (laughs) If you need a pen, hold up a couple fingers, too. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. It says, I have not spoken on my own, but the Father who sent me has commanded me what to say... And how to say it. And I know that his command leads to eternal life. So I speak exactly what the Father has told me to say. Now, if you're just taking even a quick cursory glance at this verse, you know that this verse is very profound. What Jesus is saying is very important. And notice what he is saying. He's saying that Jesus didn't just walk around and speak willy-nilly saying whatever he wanted to say. No, he only said what his father told him to say. And notice how to say it. His father even showed him that. He spoke exactly what his father told him to say. Now, let me ask you third service a question, okay? While Jesus was on this earth, was the father with him in physical form? No. Okay? So for Jesus to say only what the Father had told him to say meant that Jesus had to be communing with his unseen Father by way of his what? Spirit. Exactly. We talked about that last week. Now, we've been talking about listening to God for the last three sermons on prayer. And the reason we've spent so long on this listening part is because listening is the key to prayer. It's the key to true prayer. Okay? Because remember, if prayer is dialoguing with our unseen Father about what we're doing together, then if we're not listening, then we're technically not dialoguing. And if we're not dialoguing, guys, it's not prayer. I don't know what it is, but it's not prayer. Now, if you look at this verse, even though it doesn't flat out say it, it seems very clear that Jesus was listening all the time. Jesus was always communing with his unseen Father, which made this dialogue possible. And that, to me, is what prayer should be, a constant communion and dialogue with God. Because here's my issue, guys, with prayer. See if if you agree with me if you see this. It seems to me that Christians have made prayer 
like a specific just little period of time, I guess you could put it. Okay? We have prayer meetings. We have times of prayer. Um, when we have a meeting and a bunch of Christians gather together and we have a meeting, what do we start out with? Prayer. What do we close with? Prayer. Okay, we have those little times of prayer. And, and that's, that's what we do in our meetings. And we're like, hey, Tom, could you open in a word of prayer? And then subconsciously, we're like, okay, good. We've got our time of prayer over with. Let's get into the meeting. People will come into my office sometimes and they'll say, hey, Luke, before we start meeting, can we just open in, in a word of prayer? And I'll be like, sure, go ahead. Let's, let's do that. But what we tend to do is we give prayer little sections of time. Like, okay, this is our prayer time, this is our study time, this is our work time, this is our family time, and, and et cetera, on and on it goes with the list of, of little sections of time. Prayer has become a period of time that we allot to, to talk to God and tell Him that we want stuff. And we call that prayer. And if that's what we consider to be prayer, then guys, let me tell you something. Prayer has lost its meaning. And therefore, it has lost its power. I think instead, if we, instead of using the word prayer, instead we just said dialoguing with God about what we're doing today, it wouldn't be just a, an allotted time, it would be a life. That's what we need to do. It need to be like, you know what, I'm going to go mow the lawn with Jesus right now. I'm going to go dialogue with Jesus while I'm on the lawn. I'm going to dialogue with Jesus while I'm having supper with my family. I'm going to dialogue with Jesus while I'm at work. You see, that is a lie. Does that make sense? So that's how we need to do that. Guys, prayer is like breathing. We should always be doing it. Because if breathing stops, what happens? We die. And guys, for Christians, if prayer stops, if praying stops, we die. And you look across the church and you wonder why we have such a dead church across the world. is because we've stopped dialoguing with God throughout our entire day. It needs to keep happening. You know, just like breathing, it needs to keep happening. Nobody comes into my office and says, hey, Luke, before we start meeting, can we just breathe for a few minutes? And I'd be like, if they did say that, I'd say, yeah, but can you just keep breathing throughout the entire meeting? Because, you know, I don't want to do CPR in you or whatever. Okay? It's the same with prayer. Prayer is like breathing. If we stop we're in trouble. Um, how many of you guys have read the book, Practicing His Presence, by Brother Lawrence? Okay, a few of you, awesome. Guys, I encourage you, if there's one book I'd encourage you to get, is get that one. It, all it is, is just a bunch of excerpts from his diary. And Brother Lawrence was from a guy from way back in the 1400s, and what he set out to do is to develop the spiritual discipline of practicing Jesus' presence, or God's presence with him, every moment of every day. Okay? And he would write in his journal about each experience throughout the day. And this, this book kind of chronicles his journey in that. It got to the point where Brother Lawrence, he was at this monastery, and he would be in the kitchen working and making the meals for everyone, practicing the presence of Jesus, dialoguing with God about what he's doing with God, doing together with him. And, and there'd come a point where they'd say, okay, guys, now it's time to move into the chapel for prayer time. And so he says, when I would leave the kitchen and go into prayer time at the chapel, nothing was different. It wasn't like, oh, okay, now we're praying. No, it was just a different location. He was dialoguing with God throughout his entire day. Didn't matter where he was at, in the chapel or in the kitchen. That's how we need to be living our lives. Now, if we lived our lives like that, how would it impact our life? What would it look like? How would it affect us? 
How would it be helpful? Well, let's look at a particular experience with Jesus. And guys, we're just touching on just the edge of it here. But there's a story of Jesus, many of you guys have heard this, where he's, he's in his house, and I think he's teaching and preaching, and, and all of a sudden, crowds of people just flocked around his house, in his house. I mean, they were sitting on his couches, hanging on the window sills. They were all over the place. And it got to the point, there was such a large crowd that there was this one paralyzed man who had four friends. And they wanted to bring their paralyzed, man, paralyzed friend to the feet of Jesus and allow Jesus to heal him. But they couldn't get in through the crowds. And so... They decide to do something, and they take him to where? The roof of the house. Okay, and they cut open this roof, and they lower this guy down right at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus is there, and I'm sure Jesus kneels down to engage with this person. And when he's talking to this person, he says, My son, your sins are forgiven. Now, when he said that, everybody, all the teachers of the law and the scribes and the Pharisees, they were all like, what is he doing? Why would he say that? And they're thinking to themselves, this is blasphemy. This is crazy that this man would even say that. And they're kind of freaking out in their minds. Okay? Now, let's just reenact that. Jesus is kneeling down, talking to this man, engaging with this man, focusing on this man. And he says, my son, your sins are forgiven. And suddenly he knew what everybody around him was thinking. How in the world could he know what everyone around him was thinking? Did he have some sort of Batman power where he's like, no, 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 no. They're thinking this, and he did that. Was it some sort of God power that he had? What was it? It was the Spirit, exactly. Guys, one thing I want to make clear, and this is my opinion, I think we can back it completely up with Scripture, is that I don't think Jesus had these God powers. Jesus set aside his God powers to walk on this earth as a man. Philippians says this, Though he was God, he didn't think equality with God was something to cling to. Instead, he, he gave up his divine privileges. And he took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. Jesus became a man. He was born as a man, and he lived his life as a man. That means Jesus had to learn things. He got hungry. He grew weary sometimes. Jesus wasn't everywhere at once. He was fully human. Without all of his God powers, Jesus was a man. Now, does that mean that he wasn't able to live a powerful life then? No, of course not. He lived an incredibly powerful life. And tell me, third service, how was he able to live such an incredibly powerful life? Through the Holy Spirit. Remember that whiteboard we talked about last week where we were connected, we were really created to be connected to God by way of our spirit? Well, Jesus was spiritually connected to his Father. He was able to live out this powerful life by the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through him because he was connected to his Father, constantly communing with God, constantly listening and talking with God. So much to the point where he could be ministering to one person and because God knows the thoughts of mankind, he'd be talking to this one person and the Spirit would say, just so you know, everybody disagrees with what you're doing right now. And he could look up and say, why are you harboring evil thoughts in your heart? He would know that because the Spirit would show him. I, I experienced something similar to that. It wasn't quite as grand as telling a paralyzed man to get up and walk away. But... I was called one evening late at night to come to a house because they were having this big argument between the father and the kids. 
And so I show up. I had no idea what I was stepping into, but I, I walk into the house, and, and so I meet, met with the kids first because they're the ones who called me, and they said, listen, um, our dad did something. We know he did it, um, and when we you know, confronted him on it, he would not admit it. He's denying it. He's just vehemently against saying that he did it, and we know he did it, and, and we're just so frustrated and angry, and we're, just, we're fighting about it, and we just need you to resolve it. So I'm like, Okay. And so then I went to the father and I says, hey, man, they think that you did this. You know, is there any truth to this? And he's like, dude, 100% Luke, no, I did not do this. I, I, I don't know why they won't believe me. I didn't do this. So I go back to the kids. And I'm like, hey, guys, uh, he says he didn't do that. So, I mean, where are you, do you have any proof? And they're like, no, but we know he did it. Well, you know, the kids say that uh, you, you did it. And I was going back for it, and I was, like, so frustrated. I didn't know what I was doing. I was, you know, I was weighing over my head. Finally, the kids got so frustrated, they drove away. They says, we're leaving. And, and I'm sitting there talking with them. And, and I said, bro, what's going on? He says, I don't know. He goes, I, I'm so frustrated that my kids won't believe me. And I just, I don't know what to do. And so I'm like, I, I don't know what to do either. I says, well, why don't we go try to talk to your kids one more time? Let's call and see where they're at. And we'll drive over there, and we'll meet with him. And so we, we hop into the car, and as I'm driving, I'm like, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. This is terrifying. So I just, I hadn't been dialoguing with God this whole time, which I should have been. I started the dialogue with God, and I said, God, what do I do? I do not know how to help the situation. And right away, I felt the Spirit of God say, Luke, he's lying. And I'm driving. I'm like, Okay. I'm like, are you sure, God? <laughs> and he's like, he's lying. And so we parked to where the kids were at, and I sat there, and I'm like, okay, God, you're going to have to help me with this. And I turned to the man, and I says, listen, you have one opportunity to set this right. You can either go over to your kids, and you can continue playing this little game that you didn't do this, or you can walk over there, and you can confess everything and admit that you're wrong. But now's your opportunity. And let me tell you something. You can either live with the consequences of this or the blessings of your decision. But now's your chance. And he just started weeping. And we got out of the car. We went over to his kids. And he fell to his knees. And he was just begging for their forgiveness. He says, guys, I'm, I've been lying. I'm so sorry. I was so embarrassed. I didn't want you kids to think that about me. And they all embraced them and hugged them. And it was just this great time of, you know, you know coming together and, and restoring fellowship again. And, guys, it was all because the Spirit of God told me that one little truth. Now, if I'd have been dialoguing with him early on, I think this would have been a little quicker. But that's what we need to do. Now, not only does God give us insight into situations we may not know or understand, but he also, by dialoguing with him, is able to help us say what needs to be said and when it needs to be said and how it needs to be said. You see, when we're praying or when we're dialoguing with God about what we're doing together, He, by way of the Holy Spirit, is going to show us what to say. Just like at the verse we just read about Jesus where He says, I've not spoken on my own, but the Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. So I speak exactly what the Father told me to say. Now, here's a, here's a pretty amazing example of it. Um, you know, Jesus preached the, the Sermon on the Mount. He's on the side of a mountain, and all these people just throng around him, thousands and thousands of people, and he begins to preach this sermon. Okay, one of the most amazing sermons ever. Let's just say the most amazing sermon ever. Okay? 
Now, when it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. Because he taught as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Now, notice what it says there. He taught as one who had what? Authority. Tell me what the the root word of authority is. Author. What's that saying is he taught as if he were the author. He spoke with authority. That's why we use that phrase, you know, so-and-so is a real authority on that subject. Because when they speak on that subject, it's as if they could be the author. Now, how could Jesus do that? Because he was spiritually connected with his Father, always dialoguing with his Father, and the Spirit was bringing to mind what he needed to say. Now, do not think that Jesus was just standing there like a robot and some remote thing was sending words to his mouth so that he would speak and say, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. No. Don't, don't think that at all. Jesus did his homework. To be a man who could speak with authority, Jesus had to do his homework. And a lot of people don't think about this, but you know what? Jesus, as a man, he studied, and he studied, and he studied, and he searched the scriptures, and he poured himself into it, and he diligently memorized the scriptures, learning and understanding what was in them. When he was 12 years old, he was in the temple talking to all the bigwoods, asking them questions, learning whatever he could. And when the time came, all that work that he had put into it, the Spirit was then able to use it and show him what to say and how to say it with authority. And then, you know what the crazy thing is? Jesus turned to his disciples and basically told them the same thing. He says, you know, disciples, when you're brought before synagogues and rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you're going to defend yourselves or what you're going to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. John 14, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Guys, if we're dialoguing with God about what we're doing together, it doesn't matter what situation we're in. He can, by way of the Spirit, help us say what needs to be said. But guys, that, once again, that doesn't mean that you're like in this trance, in this coma, and you know, your mouth is moving and, and a sound's coming out. No, you're engaged in the process. We play an active role, and a lot of times, the active role, the real part we play, is the amount of study and memorization and digging into the scriptures we've done ahead of time. Because you see, the Spirit will use what we've learned and we've studied and understood to speak through us with. He will connect the dots. He will help communicate the truth about things to other people, how they need to hear it. You might be talking to someone, and the Spirit of God said, remember what you learned in 1 John? Pull that out. Remember what you, that truth I taught you back when you were 16? Pull that out. Remember in how that connects the dots with 1 Corinthians? Talk about that. Engage with this. Do with that. And the Spirit's going to be pulling all this stuff while you're talking to this person. However... If you didn't do the work of study and memorization and digging into the scriptures and growing and understanding, the Spirit's not going to have a lot to work within you. It's a little bit like this. Let's say that you show up to a job site and this is your tool, uh, tool, what do we call this, box, bag, your tool bag, and you show up there and guys, when you show up to a job, what do you want to have? 
Yeah, you want to have all the tools you can. You want to be ready for a job. But let's say you get there and the boss is like, okay, Luke, I need you to hammer something. Well, I got a knife. Okay, Luke, well, then you can cut the paper over here. You can't hammer. Um, I, I just have a Phillips. I don't have a straight. And, and the job that you're going to be able to do is very limited because you don't have the tools. But if you show up to a job with this tool bag, man, I've got the hammer. I can hammer away. I can clamp things. I've got all sorts of screwdrivers. I got a chisel. I got a level. I got a utility knife. I mean, I got it all. And so whatever the job is, I'm able to reach into my toolbox and use the tool to be able to do that. Have you ever had times where you're talking to someone and somebody asks you a spiritual question and you begin to just speak and the Spirit of God anoints you and he's like pulling stuff from what you learned over here and what you've memorized over here and you're speaking and and the whole time you're kind of going... Sweet daddy, this is amazing. This is really, what I'm saying is awesome. And I should be writing this down or recording it because this is just brilliant. It's because the Spirit of God is anointing you and he's speaking through you using the stuff that you've put in the tool bag. Now, I'm sure all of us have experienced that to some degree. But have you ever experienced where you're having a conversation with someone, they ask you a question, and you're kind of like, uh, well, I mean, I can talk about this. I can use my razor to cut this little piece off here, but I, yeah, I don't, I, sorry, I can't speak to that, and you're just kind of stumbling around. Now, don't get me wrong, the Spirit can take what little tools you have, and He can do amazing things with it, but trust me, if your toolbox is full, He can do amazing and even more things through that. He can multiply it. So guys, add stuff to your toolbox, and that comes by way of the spiritual disciplines. When you apply yourself to the spiritual disciplines, what it does is it provides the fertile soil in your spiritual life where the Spirit of God can then do all of His work and do amazing things. You know, I always say that we are in a relationship with God. You know what that means? That means that there are things that we need to do that God will not do for us. And then there's things that God is going to do that we can't do. Now, don't worry about God. He'll do his part. The point is, are you going to do your part? And what a lot of people will tell me is like, well, Luke, you can do nothing without Christ. And I agree. But a lot of people who like to quote that verse, what they do is do nothing. And I tell you, if you do nothing, I promise you, it is without Christ. Don't sit around and do nothing in your relationship with, with God. Do your part, and you're going to find that the Spirit of God will use you in powerful ways because He can pull the tools from your toolbox to do a miracle through them. But remember, guys, we're dialoguing with God in, in all of this, listening and talking to God by way of our spirit to do things together. And guys, here's the deal. If we do that, guys, that's going to be an incredibly powerful life. It's the life Jesus lived. And, and believe it or not, it's the life that we're called to. So let's live it. Let's not just have times of prayer. Let's train to become men and women who constantly pray. Men and women who constantly dialogue with God about everything at all times. Now, I know we have a long way to go with this. I have eons to go with this. But what we tend to do is because we have so far to go with something, we go, uh, what do we tend to do? We give up. We say, I forget, I'm not even going to do it. No, don't do that. 
Instead, get excited. Get excited because you know what? This is real. We can do this. We've been invited into this. Jesus lived this kind of life. This was his kind of life. And Jesus made it possible for you and me to live this kind of life and to pray as he prayed. It's an amazing opportunity, third service. But we need to add to our toolbox. We need to add tools, and that takes time. We've got to do that. You know, husbands, it's a little bit like this. Adding to your toolbox is like what you do with real tools. What do we do? I've done it too. We go to our wives and say, honey, I need to repair the drywall in the downstairs basement, so I need to get a table saw and a cordless drill. <laughs> and our wives always say this, well, can't you borrow Tom's? He said you can use them. I'm like, oh, Tom's are a piece of junk. They're, they're not good. Well, can you rent it? Honey, the rentals are all terrible, and it just costs way too much. I'd be better off if I had to buy it. Well, okay, if you say you need it. So we go to Home Depot, we get our tool, and we come back. And then we come up with another job. We're like, hey, honey, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm going to need a drywall jack, and I'm going to need this. And, I'm gonna need... and we collect our tools bit by bit, so we're ready for any job. We just want tools in our garage to make it look like we're men. And, and that's, it's just awesome. But it's like that in the spiritual life. Add tools to it. Keep adding tools to your toolbox. Listen to me, Whitestone. Jesus has made it possible for us to become spiritually alive. We're connected to God. His spirit flows through our spirit. And therefore, the very power of God flows through us. Think about that. The very power that raised Christ from the dead courses through our veins. It flows through our spirit. And we've been invited into this kind of life, invited into a life of dialoguing with God moment by moment. And so Whitestone, third service, let's engage with it. Amen? Let's do it. And I know it might take a while. We're going to grow in it, but let's do it because we can. And it's awesome. And you know what? In second, I think it's in Timothy, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, I'm not sure. It says, you know, he's telling Timothy, he says, man, all these people are going to have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. They don't have power. And I see because the church has been denying this whole dialogue with God constantly, and we just have little times of prayer, we've lost our power. We need to reconnect with our power, and our power is the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So let's live it out. Let me pray for you. Oh, no, here's our homework. Pray for you later. <laughs> here's the homework. Um, I want you to keep trying to do your best to practice the presence of Jesus. Guys, I know I gave that to you before. It's not just a one-week practice. This is the rest of your life. Okay? Work at it. Train for it. Get better and better at it. Um, then second thing, I want you to memorize 1 Corinthians 13, okay? the chapter. Now, if you don't want to memorize the final verses, then fine, but focus on the area where it's talking about love. Okay? What you're doing when you memorize this, you're putting a tool in your toolbox. Okay? And I promise you, if you memorize that, the Spirit of God will use that tool from time to time in your conversations with people. Now, what I want you to pay attention is during this week and the upcoming weeks, while dialoguing with God throughout your work week, see if the Spirit ever pulls that tool out to be used in one of your conversations. Just pay attention to that. And when you see that begin to happen, it's going to excite you, and you're going to go, you know what? I want to add more tools. I want to keep adding to that toolbox, okay? So let's do that for our homework this week. Let me pray for you now. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for these men and women that I get to do life with. God, it is an incredible blessing to, to be in the trenches next to them. And 
I pray that you might encourage them today. God, I pray that as we look at this, sometimes it just looks like a mountain that we've got to climb to get there. But I pray that that wouldn't be the case. I pray that they would just be encouraged to see that, you know what, we can get there. We can experience a life like this. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just help us to become men and women who learn to dialogue with our Father every moment of every day. And may we become men and women who engage daily in adding tools to our toolbox. And then, God, may we sit back and watch how you supernaturally and miraculously take those tools and do the incredible and the impossible. And we get to do it with you. And what an incredible privilege that is. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Guys, I love you so much. You have no idea. Have an awesome week, and we will see you next Sunday.